everybody! Welcome to the Good Evening Kitties podcast, a Tales from the Crypt review. My name is Melissa, your ghostess with the mostest. This is the three-year anniversary clip show! Three years I've been doing this podcast. Three years of editing and watching, well, re-watching Tales from the Crypt. Talking with people who love Tales from the Crypt. It's been really fun. I just wanted to say thank you for all your support for the past three years. If you want to show your support even more, you can like, rate, review, subscribe, everything and anything. You can follow the podcast on Facebook. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at G-E-K Podcast or at Gek Podcast. You can leave a review on Podcast Republic, iTunes, and Facebook. This clip show covers Season 4, Episode 13 through Season 5, Episode 9. Thank you all again so much for your support and for listening and subscribing and everything with the podcast. It's been so much fun. I also want to thank my guest hosts for these episodes, Stephen, Mike, Sharissa, Joe, and Brandon. So if you haven't subscribed, do so now so you can see all the new episodes that are coming out. I have a lot of big things coming up for the podcast. We still have quite a few episodes to go and a few movies. Again, thank you all so much. Let's keep this going and roll the clips. His feet are coming through his shoes and it's really painful. He's bleeding from his fingernails while his finger, his claws are coming through. Mm-hmm. Going through so many clothes. What I don't get is he, like the opening scene, like they figure out that someone is dead in the woods, right? Yes. This is why I think that Dalton knows he's a werewolf. Because like his clothes get all ripped and disheveled and messed up and everything. Like how would you not know? I mean... like. I think that he I think that he as a werewolf is looking for the werewolf hunter so that he can kill them. I mean that's one way to think of it because yeah at first I was uh, like unless he's in extreme denial. Well I was which... like it could be a couple things. It could be he doesn't know he's a werewolf and he's looking for the werewolf hunter which is a good good idea and he just wakes up either with his clothes intact the next day or just naked and because of <laughs> he has a re- self-regenerating yeah. clothes that well and notice he drinks maybe he thinks he gets so blitz that he wakes uh, up naked the next day but what in I, of nowhere. I don't get is like it's what is like the the statute of limitations on this werewolf thing because he comes back to the hotel did he murder that guy in the same night or is it the next night it's the next night because it's is a it couple the night nights... immediately after yeah like here is that the, in that wooden chair and he's drinking and everybody's talking about what they're gonna do about the werewolf yeah right? so like i was wondering if that was in the same night because if it was in the same night then that wouldn't make any sense but the yeah way, i don't think so i think because uh, you can have a full moon for a couple nights i think yeah so but, like it's every night he would change so he probably thinks like once a month i go on this drunken binge and i wake up naked in the middle of the woods that's another interpretation i guess you could or I kind of like the idea, though, that he knows he's a werewolf and now he's been looking for the werewolf hunter and he thinks it's her, which makes more sense because mm-hmm. what we're going to find out as he's changing and he's running around and he's grabbing onto things. Th- and this, he's, this scene gets messed up. Yeah, he's grabbing on the like, things and he's pushing things off. He's mad. He's turning into the werewolf. I'm surprised he's as composed as he could, but I guess, like, you know, they're like, don't trash the set too much, Timothy. <laughs> And so then he picks up, like, I guess her, like, nightgown or whatever, or sheets. I guess, and he's smelling it. He's, he's sniffing gonna hunt. it. This yeah. is, like, werewolf panty raid. <laughs> what I like here about this is the tension between the elderly couple here, Marco Kidder and Kevin McCarthy. Her name is Cynthia, and his name is Jack. And just this opening shot of them eating dinner, and she is just hates him. Like, you can see it in her face. The way she smokes her cigarette as she's looking at him with this disdain. And he's just not even, he's gone. He's drinking his own drink. They just hate each other. You find out, like, they got, they got invited by this other couple, Harry and Lucille, 
a black couple who is friends with them, or at least Harry and Jack are friends. I think maybe they work together or something like that, if I remember. And so he invites Jack and Cynthia there for his own plan. So you find out later what Harry and Lucille are doing. And Lucille, his wife, Harry's wife, is, again, like some sort of, I think she's like Haitian or some sort of voodoo thing again. Uh, So there's always like someone there, even in like movies and stuff that you see that have to do with that, there's always someone there who kind of knows what's going on or can help them out or, or at least is there to warn them or something. In this episode, everyone is pretty much against Cynthia, who is played by Margot Kidder, which makes sense because she's a bitch. You get to learn just how much of a bitch she is. A lot of this episode is just her going off. I don't know why she even went. She obviously doesn't want to be there, so she's really mad. Even as she gets started, Kevin McCarthy's like, here she goes, another bitch fit. You're trying to kill me, you cute. Here we go again, another bitch fit. Look at this shit. Rutabaga, bok choy, taikon, tofu, celery juice, celery juice. This isn't food. It's leftovers from a compost heap. The compost heap is the best damned health food Harry and I could find. Huh? Now listen, madam. You behave yourself and you're in for a big surprise tonight. This weekend was never planned as a weekend on the town. And you knew it. Oh, you knew no, it and I now didn't you're getting off that. on one of your emotional spasms. I didn't know that. This is not an emotional spasm. skyrocket gobble. You are being abusive. This weekend you is tofu and carrot juice and fresh. I said that's what it is and I told you that's what it would be. It's going to be in a hop. They're outside eating by the fire and she's mad and smoking her cigarette angrily because what they're eating is this like health food stuff that Jack and Harry both wanted to eat. I guess so they can feel better and things. She's mad because there's like celery juice and things like that. And the other couple that they're there with, Harry and Lucille are in their own RV and it's like they're just yelling in these woods. The dog is barking. He's getting upset. I kind of expected one of them to have a heart attack or something because they were just so, they were just yelling. And so Cynthia's mad. She wants real food. She wants to eat in a, in a real restaurant. And he says that they're a three-hour drive from anything. So, I mean, they're really in the middle of nowhere. And now she's throwing things at him, threatening each other. Bugs are biting them. Again, I don't know why Cynthia went. You can tell that they probably haven't touched each other in a long time, like, intimately. Just how this is going. Unless it's, like, a hate thing where they're like, I hate you. And then it's like, yeah, that's hot. I don't know. Because I, I can't see what else. <laughs> So they go upstairs to her love nest, which is full of mobiles of like dead baby doll, baby parts. doll parts, and I don't know uh, why I said dead. Yeah, they're dolls. They're already dead. Uh, it, it's they're very Texas chainsaw. Yeah, just dolls and toys and drawings all over. This is her place. It's like up in the attic, and she's got a picture of her family, which they do do like the Ma Paul thing down at the bottom. What's what's mm-hmm. that? What's that photo? Um, uh, American Gothic. Uh, American Gothic. Yeah, yeah, it's a play yeah. on American Gothic and her parents' picture. But man, they really show that hump here because he's she's sitting him down on her bed because they got a bone. That's how he's going to prove that he's into her. If he can get it up, then she'll believe that he loves her. And so this part's kind of funny and really gross. So she's like, all right, we're going to do this. So she starts like opening up his shirt and he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, you're going to show me how you care about me. Nobody takes their clothes off. She just like pulls his pants down and he's like, no, no, my love is deeper than what my body will show you. And this is why my pet theory is that they are in Missouri because it's like action is what I'm after. It's what it's like, you Dude, know, we you, you live can flower, in Missouri. Why are flowery, you slamming Missouri? Flowery, flowery, talking and loving is all good, but you got to show me. Oh, I see where you're going. Because yeah, our motto is show yeah, me. You know. So this part here, though, they really set up this sex scene that makes you, you, you may not want to eat when you watch this scene. <laughs> so she pulls up her gingham dress and it's just like lumpy potato Ooh, legs boy, with yeah. like pockmarks. Well, I mean, 
she's obviously got she's probably flea bitten as well. Yeah. Like she well, she hasn't bathed for weeks. She yeah, said. she doesn't take care of herself. Like you know, if she maybe did a bit of self care, she wouldn't look so bad. So she lays him down, pulls his pants down, and all she does is just lift up her dress because she's just gonna climb on top. But first, she's got to make sure he loves her, and he tries so hard oh, to man. will. You almost, <laughs> you know what? You almost feel bad for him, but almost. then you remember all the shit he's yeah. pulled, and you're just like, I don't give a fuck. Because he's trying so hard. He pulls up her yellowed panties to get that erection, <laughs> so that they can do it. Lo and behold, he surprises even himself because it happens. He, I think it's a fear boner. Yeah, he gets a fear boner. She just breaks his underwear off and rips them he off. He shreds them off. <laughs> you can tell that she's infinitely stronger than him. Oh, she, yeah, she's a behemoth. A behemoth. <laughs> a leviathan. And they do it, and it's really quick and disgusting. And how sarcastic she is through everything, too. Well, she knows what she looks like. She's stupid. Like she said, she's old enough to know there's bullshit. You tell, like, look at his face, though. The way he's like scrunching it up he's and like just so straining so that he can somehow get. But the part, oh, the part that's Christ. the grossest part. If you haven't seen this episode, oh man, <laughs> when she lowers herself, seriously, him, it has to be seen. Yeah, we can't do this justice. I when don't think. when Winona lowers herself onto Judd, oh. her eyes roll back in her head, and that's the part that you're like. <laughs> oh no <laughs> it's been a while <laughs> and so then they do it it doesn't take too long she has a good time and then he's all like that was great he tells her it was like the best sex he's ever had and, and it sounds almost believable but he's faking it she but hasn't she, bathed in a week she probably hasn't brushed her teeth in far longer she's like yeah and she just rolls off of him and cuddles up to him and so she's in love Leo in Bridget's house, and he's going through her underwear and looking through her slips and seeing if she is a garter belt type of girl or a pantyhose type of girl. And he's like looking at her bras, and she's walking in, and she's like, "What are you doing?" And he notices that one of her slips or like bodysuits unbuckles or unclips on the bottom near the crotch area, and he's like, "What's this about? You know, like what is going on? Why would you have this easy access clothing?" And she's like, "So I can go to the bathroom." And that's what that's for. You, if you have a bodysuit thing, how else are you going to go to the bathroom? They unclip in the bottom. So, yeah, his paranoia is slowly getting up there. He, and he really does, it seems like he is, he does care about his wife. And he also understands about his insecurities with it. And he's trying to get her in the mood here. And she's just like, no, not right now. I don't want to. You know, and she's like, no. And he's kind of like, not really forcing her, but kind of putting the pressure on a little bit. Which is an odd time to do it when you just got done, like, rooting through her underwear and trying to be suspicious over why she wears what she wears. And then be like, hey, baby, you want to do this? And she's like, oh, no. And you're like, oh, shock. So now he goes back to G.D. DeVoe's office. And now it's definitely the stereotype of, like, the old detectives. He's got, he's sitting there in a suit at the desk and it's barely lit. And he's got the um, Chinese food that he's eating with chopsticks. And it's like all the, the containers of takeout and the white little boxes. And it's just like he's been working hard, you know, just like slaving away over all this to get the stuff for um, Leo. And so he's got these pictures for him and he's looking through it. And it's pretty much the same stuff. It's the same stuff Chapman got. But he's like, now take a look at the last two again. Look at it carefully. And what they're seeing is that she goes into the church, whatever church is nearby. She goes into the church, which is like a, a Catholic church. And when she comes out, she looks happier every time she comes out of this church. So... Gigi DeVoe is like, she's doing something with someone in the church. That's what's going on. Leo's like, well, I mean, she's probably doing confession and all that stuff. She's religious, you know, like apparently she's Irish. She's from Ireland. They're very Catholic. 
he shows him a picture of this priest and Father John Sajak, who is played by John Shea. And so there's two pictures of both of them. And so now he's he's suspicious, even though he really has no reason to be. But he's like, are you seriously suggesting she's banging a priest? You know, and he's like, well, yeah, tells him all about him. Like I said, Father John Sajak, he's like he was fired from his last position for disobeying um, the Pope's uh, ruling on contraception. He is already kind of like, I guess, a bad boy in the church stuff kind of thing. So, yeah. So now he's even more paranoid. He still doesn't really have any reason to be. <laughs> so she sits down next to him with this joint and she lights it up. And then she puts it over in Dalton's mouth and he, you know, smokes the pot. She's like, I, I know you bullied him, but I know you really loved Isaac. And then they kiss and he's like, right before they kiss, he's like, yeah, I loved him like a brother. And I'm like, no, no, you didn't. You've known him for like three days or something like Okay, so then they're kissing. He's falling for this real easily. So now it's them getting ready to, to do it. All right, so he's laying her down on the bed. How he hasn't caught on that she's completely fine with all this. Like, that she's just so easily like, yep, never mind, even though I said I'd love him so much. And he's, you know, he's just, he's sloppy. Anyway, so he's just all over her. And she's just like, yeah, you killed Isaac. You killed my Isaac. And then she rolls him over and she's on top of him. And she's like, whatever he had that disease he had. And as she's saying this, you can see her back because she's on top of him. You can see her back starting to like, like there's vein things moving up of it and stuff like that. Like it's something spreading kind of thing inside of her. And she's like, whatever he had, we have now. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? And apparently it was like in that weed or something like that got sent back. And I guess since she said she would never live without him or die without, she would die without him, they smoked it. So because they smoked it, they both have this disease now. And as she's banging him, she starts to like melt in things like, and he's like, what? What are you talking about? And what I don't get about this is she should be in pain. She's acting like she's having a great time. I don't know if she's just really excited because she's killing him and she's happy to know that. She's screaming, but not necessarily in pain. And I'm like, why is she so amorous right now? She should be like, oh God, it burns. But she's like, no, we dying together. Whoop, whoop. And she, her back, like, there's, like, this burst of blood and stuff, and it's gross. And so, like, her face is starting to melt, and there's blood running down her neck. She's all pulsating. It's really gross. Like, she's just pulsating, there's blood shooting out of her back. And she's, it's just happening really fast. Like, it wasn't even that long ago they smoked it. And so she's just, like, falling apart, and he's freaking out, and there's blood all over her. And he's like, no, no. And he's trying to wipe it off with the sheets. He's covered in her blood, and the blood's flicked everywhere. He's coming in the bathroom trying to wash it off like that's going to do anything. And so he's washing his hands and then this something falls into the sink and he looks up and it's his nose. His nose has fallen off because he has the disease. <laughs> and he starts messing with her head again. And so she's like crying and grabbing her head. Like I think basically she just was found a way to like shut out his voice. Like she's just not even trying to be open to it anymore. She doesn't care. And he's drinking because he's an alcoholic. And so now he's like super drunk. He drank a bunch of brandy, hanging out in his trailer. Connie left him. And he's still trying to reach her with his mind. Yeah. I mean, he plays the role well. It's just creepy. He does it very well. But he's all like, oh, Zambini forgives you. Like, he speaks about himself in, like, the first... Is it first person? Third person. Third Damn. Yeah. He speaks about himself in the third person. <laughs> and calls her pet. Yes. It's so old style. For he reaches her. He's like, oh, I can hear you. Zambini forgives you. I'm coming for you. 
his makeup's really melted off of his face now. And there's someone on the roof of the trailer now and comes falling through the window. And who is it? It's Nabunga! Nabunga! So this gorilla got so upset, somehow she got out of her cage. I think she, she bent yeah, she the bent bars. the bars. That's the power of love. Don't mess with gorillas in love. <laughs> she broke the bars of her cage and got out, climbed up the trailer, came down through the window in her dress and her Tina Turner outfit hair and things and came down. For some reason, she is able to speak with her mind. Yes. Like, you think he would have been able to hear her before then. See, that's the thing is, so I think the whole time when he thinks he can hear Connie, it's not Connie, it's it's Nabunga the whole time. I don't think Connie ever could speak back to him. I think... That's true, because the only times that he could hear her is when she was near Nabunga. Yeah, and Nabunga was seeing everything. Be, yeah, could still be thinking And there was enough emotion Johnny. for her to transport her thoughts. So I think it's... I didn't even think about Yeah, that. I think the whole time it's been... He thought he had a power over Connie, but it's actually been... He's been more mind-connected with the gorilla. Any thought that he could read of hers that he thought was Connie was just hers because yeah. they had the same feelings for Johnny. Right, and they were both together with him at the same time. Yes. So she comes down and she's still talking, you know, telepathically. telepathically. And she's like, this is for Johnny. Like, she's going to take him out. And she starts roaring and he's like, wait, what? Whoa, it was you? And so now she's like, I want to taste your mind. Yeah. And she grabs the uh, cleaver, cleaver, the meat cleaver. And she comes at him in her, in her little dress and takes him out. So they, yeah, they cut from it as she's jumping down. It was kind of, it's a, it was kind of a cool scene, her coming down through the, mm -hmm. the ceiling. And so then the Siamese twins are running towards Emmett and they're like, oh my gosh, something happened. And then that's when they see they're back at Nabunga's cage and the cage you can see now has been open and there's just a topless chick hanging out. Everyone's cool. Topless chick, um... The big guy's picking up the little guy so he can look. Everyone's everyone's a family. They're like, what's happening? And you don't know yet because they're showing it from the outside in. So then they shoot inside and you see Nabunga's sitting there and she is tasting his mind. Mm -hmm. She's sitting there eating the brains out of the head of Zambini. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, they do a good job of it. It's just yeah, so gross. Yeah, it is gross. Like, she's just like, like it's a bag of popcorn. <laughs> So they're getting ready to have this like heist or take some money or whatever. It's, it's not even all that much. You find out like the amounts that they're going after. I mean, they're not even sure what amount. It's, yeah, it's they, very... they seem they seem to just think it's like a hundred dollars or so. No, don't they? not like how much well, do they even say they're going to be getting? They don't even really know. They just know they want to get into the safe. Hard telling how much is in it. Yeah. So they're going over the plan. So like I said, Virgil's a little slower, and so. Virgil works at the ice cream shop. So the thing is that they have a friend named Cooter. And I'm like, of course they have a friend <laughs> named Cooter. And if me and him can like distract Mrs. She had a weird last name. Lady Kazan's character yeah, who yeah. owns the place. Um, like Miss Grundafar or something. Grundafar. The great <laughs> wizard Grundafar. If we can like distract them, you can sneak in. And we can, um, when she's putting money away to get into the safe. And we can distract her and take the money and get out of there or whatever. Which part of me is like, for the past two years or whatever, at least, Virgil's probably had this job. And yeah, he might hate the job, but at least it's paying money more than probably whatever they would get yeah, that even, would last even if that it's, long. Even if it's minimum wage, his paycheck is probably going to be bigger than this heist. Yeah. You know? And, well, and they're also going to like um, pull the fire alarm, too, during this. So they're like trying to get everyone. Because there's a lot of people... At the time, there doesn't seem like there's so many people working there, but there's people around, like, like working at this warehouse. Looking back on it, really, I used to—I th I was thinking that they were stupid, but looking back on it, it's probably Bill—it's probably Billy's, you know, just need for revenge to get back at that place somehow because in his mind it was their fault he was caught and yes. blah blah blah. Particularly one guy that we will get into 
yeah. in a bit here of who he's really upset about. So now they're like, well, let's go get some ice cream. <laughs> so, so now you have the ice cream coming up the side here, um, up the road. And um, it's almost like the intro of uh, Dumb and Dumber. When he has, the, <laughs> when he's got the pup truck or whatever, and the dogs are, he hits that uh, hill and goes, up, and all the dogs get covered in mustard and ketchup. I've seen that movie a lot. Yeah, I saw like once. <laughs> it was like a, it looks like a dog, and this like rich lady had had him pick them all up from the groomers mm-hmm. and bring them, but he got them all a snack because they were hungry, and he threw all these like hot dogs back there, and then he kept hitting the curbs because he was running late, and then as soon as she opens it up, they're all covered in mustard and ketchup, and he, she's like, oh my god, like. <laughs> and then he gets fired and then chaos ensues and hijinks and uh-huh uh-huh and uh so he's coming up this hill and he's in his ice cream truck and mr bird's in there and he's played by michael lerner and he's got a little ice cream cone on like a big spring above it which makes me wonder if it's like gonna hit a bridge <laughs> when you go under it <laughs> she can't take this anymore she doesn't love him anymore and he's like all right all right What's this really about? And then he has the gall to say, do you want me to increase your allowance? Is that what you want? And this, this is, she gets up and she is mad. And I was like, yeah, here we go, girl. So she gets up and she slams her napkin down and she's so mad, right? And they just start arguing, right? And they're arguing. And she starts going in her bedroom and she starts packing. She's throwing things into her bag. And she's like, whatever, you know, I'm not doing this. I'm not negotiating. This is it. I don't want you anymore. I don't want this. So he kind of grabs her, like, what, you're going to walk out on me? you got to work with me on this, okay? I'm not negotiating with you, Andy. I don't want anything except a life. So what are you going to do? You're just, you're just going to walk out on me? The way I see it, Andy, you walked out on me years ago. When was the last time we made love? Can you even remember? Don't do this to me, Emma. You know what kind of schmuck I'm going to look like? That's what really bothers you, isn't it? Well, let me put your mind to rest. You already look like a schmuck, because you are a schmuck. Schmuck? Who's a schmuck? Huh? Good bitch! You want passion, Emma? How's this? They have this nice argument in the bedroom. I was like, bravo, just some of the stuff they were saying. And so he gets really mad, right? And he grabs her by her throat and he starts choking her. And like the lamp gets knocked over and he throws her on the bed. He's so mad, you know, and he's like, teach you to leave me. Like, you know, we're not going to do that. I'm gonna, eh. And then she's trying to fight him off. And she goes to reach for some scissors in like a sewing kit thing. And she gets him across the face. And when she does, a ring falls off her finger onto the carpet. And that's important. They do a quick, quick shot of that ring. You're like, oh, pay attention to that ring. And so she's got this, the scissors and then he's got her hand and he ends up taking her hand and stabbing it into her to make her stab herself (laughs) what i love is the guy who's doing the special effects is in the car he's sitting in like a convertible and his remote is huge you ever played like on nintendo they had that really big pad that was like a controller it looks like a like, they really just, like, added a bunch of things together to make this giant remote. I would compare it to something that Steve Urkel put together. Yeah. <laughs> or something that you saw in the Hackers movies from the 80s. Don't get me wrong. It's awesome to look at it because it's a bunch of radios triggering wirelessly. That's really cool. Yes. My only question is, if they're sending him in one at a time, and he's just sitting out on the convertible, don't the pledges that haven't gone in yet kind of get the point that's true 
Yeah, that's true. So then by the time you get to the second and third one, they're like, well, I can see the guys doing it. So I'm just going to go in there and go. Like it would kind of defeat the purpose. I'm not sure why they didn't send them all in by themselves, really. Or I mean together. Or at least keep them blindfolded. Yeah. We're probably focusing on the wrong plot point again. Well, I don't know, because they did have them blindfolded <laughs> on the way there. And then when they get there, they're like, meh. And they just like take the blindfolds off. I also don't understand why this house has been here for like 60 years. It's not even like boarded up, really. It's just sitting there. So I don't know about you, but if I was going to have to go into a house like this and do this sort of thing, I'm not wasting my time. I always hate when they walk into one of these houses and they're scared immediately and they just stand there and slowly walk up the stairs. I'm like, just run. Run up the <laughs> run up the stairs. Just do it fast, right? Get up there. I mean, the only problem is at one point when he's, I believe Jason London's character goes first, he goes and there's a dummy that drops down from between, between the staircase there that when he's walking on the staircase. So, I mean, if you were running, I guess that would hit you pretty hard. <laughs> right. But, I mean, it was cool. Jason London's character, Henderson, sees the dummy come down. He realizes it's a dummy. So by then I would definitely be like, it's all set up stuff. There's nothing to worry about. Just hurry up and get up to the stupid floor and do this. Right. So, I mean, it wouldn't really worry me that much by then. I mean, I still don't like it. I don't like haunted houses. <laughs> I love horror movies, but I'm a huge wimp when it comes to all this stuff. <laughs> Billy Zane is back at it, and he has two new assistants. Now, I don't know how he could afford to give them any more my hi Gus oh no the hi, beast Gus. you come say hi do you want to be in the box of death your litter box is the yeah, box of keeps death keeps up with the behavior he was doing last night we just might put him in the box of death oh he'd make a wonderful assistant <laughs> yes he would just go Gus hand me the lever wow <laughs> the, the lever Gus well as long as he worked for treats but he ate all the treats so we have to wait a few more days before we get treats till we do another food run so he's just going to have to deal. I told him to ration them. Because, you know, cats understand. You know, it's almost like he didn't understand. I know, because he's a cat. So he's back at the show. Billy Zane's character, Miles, is back doing the show. And same old thing. Now he's got two assistants. They're twins. Are costumes. you sure they're twins? Yes. Oh, okay. I saw in the... I, I guess I, I watched this in... I rewatched this in such poor quality on YouTube. I mean, you can recently. see it right there. But even in, okay. like, the IMDb thing, I, I believe they were twins. And so they're trying to smile and be like, hey, like, because it's taking him forever. Again, the flowers light on fire. He's not nailing it. He's getting angry now. And now definitely people are sleeping. There's even less people in the theater. And sitting in the back, you just see like a cane. So it's like the head of a cane. And he's got some hands on it. Or got his hand on it. And you're like, oh, something going down. So then he comes in the back and he's yelling. He's, of course, like projecting it all onto the assistants. Like if you were acting more assistant-y. That's that's a running theme in this. You know, he constantly fucks up, and each time he does, it's never his fault. So I'm pretty sure they quit, too, if I remember. And so then this man comes in. <laughs> you see that look. There's a look. There's a thing he does with his shoulders and his massive caterpillar he, eyebrows. He as leads he with his shoulders, is what yeah. he leads. So this is Martin Sheen playing this character, and you really <laughs> don't see Martin Sheen playing a lot of characters like this i think it, i don't I mean, know it varies i not, mean he was, not to this extent he could pull off character acting quite well actually i know but like not to this like it's kind of comical it's comical I it's mean, over the top yeah and at first i was like oh that's martin sheen like it's you know, kind of interesting it is it is one th good thing about this series this is interesting sometimes you're able to see actors put into a role that usually you're not used to seeing them in just because of the nature of this yeah it's uh cool and i'm being clawed by the cat now all of a sudden Yes, so, stop that. <laughs>
and she's got all these books and he shows up all trying to be all suave with like these sunglasses and just like he shows up with nothing dude shows up late with nothing (laughs) late with nothing not a pen not a notebook anything and so right away stella's like I'm sorry, were we going to study? I didn't know, like, she's like, where's all your stuff? But she's so sweet that she's just like, that's okay, that's okay. I have extras of everything. She has, like, eight pens sitting there. And <laughs> she so does have a stack of pens. Yeah. Just like, noticed that. <laughs> there's, like, six pens there. She's like, I'm good. If I run out of ink, I got extra. You never know. Anyway, so what Reggie's saying to her is, he's like, the only thing I'm good at is football. I know no matter how much studying we do, it's it's too late. This midterm's, like, in a few days, if not tomorrow. So the plan that Reggie has is how about you ask Professor Finley if you can come over to like his house to do some extra, to get some extra credit or something. And then while you're distracting him, I'll sneak out or sneak in, I'll sneak in and I'll steal the answers to the test. Which is the weirdest thing ever, because like, would you have ever asked a teacher to come to their house? Like, wouldn't she just be like, can we stay after class for a little bit to like go over something? Not like, yo, can I come to your house after? Yeah, it seems kind of creepy or kind of like most teachers probably wouldn't want you to come to their house. They'd be like, I'll just give you a paper or something you can do now. And anyway, why would this chick who probably has amazing grades need extra credit? <laughs> like as the teacher, like there's only so much you can do after a wow, while. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's like after so much you can do, most teachers would be like, you're doing fine. Trust me, you could fail this test and still get an A. Like it's, so you're it telling seems me you never weird. went to a teacher's house after class. That's not a regular thing. I don't, think, I, yeah, I don't think I ever really went to a teacher's house unless it was like in college and they were having some sort of like gathering for the class at their house with food. Like it wasn't like, come to my house and I'll give you extra credit. Plus also this is, I mean, he's basically in a way committing breaking and entering. It's already setting up to be illegal. And why wouldn't the teacher maybe have this at the school or like in his desk or like, in yeah, a, right. you know, unless this is a common occurrence with people stealing things all the time like that, stealing uh, answers. She probably stole all those pins. <laughs> Sometimes that's hard. You got to put your name <laughs> on pins. People, especially at work, people take your pins. I just had quite a scare. I actually thought my heart. 